Well, hello and welcome to Christian Radio. My name is Christian. On this episode of Christian Radio, I sit down with David Antilla and Susie Hall of Cornerstone Design. Cornerstone Design is a powerhouse of an interior design firm focused mostly on hotels, hospitality, and large commercial projects. They have a ton of experience and are super fun to talk to. I hope you enjoy this episode of Christian Radio, and I'll see you on the other side. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Christian Radio. My name is Christian. I'm joined today with Susie Hall and David Antilla of Cornerstone Design. How's it going, guys? Great. Thank you for having us. Hey, happy happy you guys can make it. So I'm here in Boise, Idaho. Susie, where where are you right now? I'm in Boise, Idaho, just not too far from you. Perfect, perfect. And David, where are you? I'm over in Haley, Idaho, just south of Sun Valley. Haley, Idaho. Awesome. So before we get going, um, this is, you know, sort of a quasi-business podcast. We talk a lot of business stuff. We can talk about, you know, life and personal stuff and marketing stuff too. So before we get going, um, let's, uh, Susie, let's start with you. Uh, just tell everybody that's listening and watching a little bit about you, kind of how you got into interior design, how you started your firm and, and uh, you know, kind of where you're at in life. Sure. So I grew up in the Seattle area. And when I went to college, even my senior year, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So I was a business major. And right out of school, I started working for Boise Cascade Office Products. And I was in sales for office supplies and furniture. And I worked with a couple of certified interior designers. And that's where I had my aha moment. I'm like a split down the middle, left brain and right brain. Love organizing and planning, but being super creative. So I got into commercial design uh, right after that. Moved to Boise a couple years later. Um, fun fact, my dad was the head football coach at Boise State at the time, Skip Paul, so the orange and That blue. is a fun fact. Yeah, super fun fact, um, but it was totally independent that I moved to Boise at the time. And then um, being the entrepreneur that I am, realized that I just couldn't work for anybody else very long. So I decided to launch the firm uh, that's now Cornerstone Design in 1992. Started out in commercial interior design, went and got my interior design certification, and then my lead accreditation, and here we are over 28 years later, uh, professional interior design and procurement firm. We opened a second location in Phoenix last year, and now we mainly focus on designing and furnishing hotels. Nice, nice. Um, how, how with, with the COVID and all the stuff that's going on, how, how are things in the hotel world? Is it a little shaky, or is it already pretty much pedal to the metal like it's, like it's been? Yeah, no, we got hit pretty good. Um, So a lot of people push the pause button and we have a handful of projects that are moving forward, hotels. I think they're all renovations. Um, David can can correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's really a great time to renovate a hotel, right? Because people aren't staying They're empty. (laughs) So I mean, one of the big complaints we get from people and owners is like, gosh, it's such a pain to remodel my hotel when people are staying there because my occupancies are so high. Well, yeah. now is a great time to remodel. So we do have some clients taking advantage of that. Um, and all all nice. of our hotel yeah. projects are out of state. None of them are here in Idaho. Nice, nice. I gosh, that's so crazy. Yeah, you're totally right. I I, I didn't even think of that. What a great time to renovate a hotel. Nobody. <laughs> I mean, I would imagine occupancy is down. You know, in very very uh, low right now. Yeah, it got down into almost single digits, and now um, last last stat I saw is maybe thirty-ish, mid thirty percent. Um, although luxury boutique independent hotels are have been very high and some extended stays have as well. So it's a little bit across the board. Yeah, crazy, crazy. So David, what about you, man? How did uh, how, how did you get here? Well, I uh, began my career in landscape architecture, as Susie mentioned, and uh, went out and first job was working for Parkhorse. You recall who they were long, long ago. It was a Swedish company that 
developed outdoor fitness. So I got more involved in industrial design and working on their courses throughout the US. Um, they were very successful for about 10, 20 years, and then they got copied and everything got watered down a bit. Sure. But in any event, then I got involved in a lot of uh, planning as well as uh, residential garden design. I realized I loved room scale design and the furniture pieces that happen out there. So I went back to grad school and studied interiors and industrial design and then uh, came back out and had <laughs> close to 40 years of experience working in the interiors industry now. So nice. it's, been, it's been great. And I will say that throughout all of that, I've been uh, uh, first and foremost interested in landscape. Whenever I'm in an interiors, I look at every window and see what the connections to the outside can be. Um, in today's world with COVID, I think that it's more important than ever to think about interiors planning is including outdoor space, adjacent space to buildings. Um, I think that you know the use of um, uh, technology these days make that really easy. And I think that outdoors should become a function of the building and not just decorating the architecture. Absolutely. Just having landscape plan because the city says we have to. Mm -hmm. Precisely. <laughs> And, and, and it's funny you say that in, you know, in our world of landscape architecture, I've seen a, a pretty decent shift in that really in the last, you know, I don't know, three or four years where so many more, you know, owners and architects and people in the industry are really starting to understand that. I mean, for, you know, when we first started StackRock Group, I mean, I, I sort of felt like I was beating my head against the wall every day talking about landscape architecture because nobody knew what it was. And if they didn't know what it was, they didn't think they needed it or wanted it. Mm -hmm. and, and now it's, 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 there's been, it feels like there's, and maybe it's just, I've been doing it long enough and I'm, I'm numb to it now, but if it, it feels like there's been a, a big shift where a lot more people are really understanding that it's, it's really, really nice. Absolutely. Well, and I think it was, it was part and partial to the, you know, development of the tech world and how, how those giants work, Google and Apple and such. Um, and just, you know, the whole notion of uh, creating a variety of spaces, flexibility of working in teams. And so that whole movement, you know, has translated to outdoor space as well. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that they're very open, um, you know, in, the, in their campuses, especially to uh, incorporate outdoor space as workspace. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, and we've seen that one of our clients is HP and we've seen that where, and I, and I don't know if it's necessarily because they are, you know, chasing Google or Apple or whatever, but they're in that same tech space. And so they want those same things, those cool outdoor meeting areas and gathering spaces and, you know, you know, meeting rooms and stuff. And so we've, we've had a ton of fun designing that stuff for HP the last couple of years on, on a number of their different campuses. So, so David, when you, when you say, and I've heard the term before, and I'm, and I'm glad you said it because what I think it is, is probably not what it actually is. When you say industrial design, tell me what that is. Oh, product design. I mean, essentially, okay. essentially, you know, when you, when you get involved in furniture and, uh, uh, development of, of more of the objects at human scale. Uh, that's what I would wrap that into. You know, so okay, okay. Because I've heard that term and I, I have like industrial design. I was, I was picturing like manufacturing, like you're designing like the machines that are manufacturing stuff. It actually, that is probably a better description of industrial design today. Back in the day, it was all lumped into one piece. But okay, now, now there's, there's, you know, that manufacturing design as well as product design. Interesting, so, interesting, yeah. So do you, do you still do you still design furniture? Uh, currently, we do a lot of modifying furniture. We don't do yeah. a lot of uh, furniture from the from the ground up, so to speak. Uh, but Susie and I are very interested in getting involved in that, and I think that we will be soon. So nice, nice on our docket. Nice. I I was lucky enough. I don't know. Two weeks ago, I got to go tour. I got a, I got a private tour of the Archie Teeter Studio, Teeter's Knoll, the only mm -hmm. Frank Lloyd Wright building in Idaho. I got a private, you know 
private tour of that thing. And the owner of that building, when, when he bought it, there was a big box. I don't know if you guys know this story, but uh, when he bought it, there was a big box of just random drawings and plans and stuff from Frank Lloyd Wright and his, um, you know, students. Yeah. Hand drawn stuff. And so he, and he built furniture that Frank Lloyd Wright designed that as far yeah. as he knows, no one else has ever built. Like yeah. one of a kind yeah. Frank Lloyd Wright designed furniture in his house. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I've been to that studio. It's spectacular, and yeah. and uh, it's really a gem in Idaho. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and that's you know Frank Lloyd Wright's philosophy. You know, design everything from the you know master plan down to the uh, flatware on the table. So I think yeah, exactly. That, uh, you know, certainly we take that same holistic approach. I think it's pretty common these days. Again, given collaboration, mm -hmm. um, that whole team team thing that that everybody's working together and. Uh, sort of having their input at all scales, which is really exciting. It's a great time to be a designer. Absolutely. So, so like you said, Susie, you guys are all the way focused. You're not all the way, but you're, you know, a big chunk of your focus is on hospitality. Was, was that completely on purpose or, or did hospitality kind of find you? Yeah, so it was on purpose. Um, about five, almost five years ago now, I was looking at you know, what do I want to do with the company? And, you know, where do we want to go? And, you know, after you've done something for a quarter of a decade or a quarter of a century, you're kind of like, okay, uh, what's, what's the next, what's next, what's next. Sure. And so I decided, yeah, I want to scale, uh, do bigger, more complex projects, more holistic. Uh, we do turnkey design and procurement. So we do the purchasing because as just, we were talking about Frank Lloyd Wright and David and I are big believers that we uh, carefully curate the entire space, including all the furniture down to flatware and detailing and that sort of thing. Otherwise, we've only done part of our job, right? Maybe take sure. it 70%. So with that, hospitality was you know, a no-brainer. And they, hotels are required to renovate if they're a branded hotel every seven years. So that's recurring you know, revenue, so to speak. Um, the travel aspect was really um, appealing. The complexity, um, I just love complex projects. And they also have budgets for FF&E. So the procurement and the design are already well established, where in a lot of other markets, even commercial, um, definitely residential. Especially uh, commercial. <laughs> it's, you know, well, we're going to handle the furniture on our own, or we're going to go, or my wife does We're just going to use our know. old stuff from our old boss. Exactly, yeah. right? And we just cringe. We're like, no, please don't let it be so. So anyways, it's been a great move. We've really enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, obviously the industry's taken a hit with COVID, but we are, we're on a, a mission to help, you know, heal the industry, get it to rebound in a much more thoughtful and meaningful way. Uh, sure. Our firm has done almost 20 lead projects. We've done a couple dozen healthcare projects. I'm on the St. Al's Foundation Board. So a lot of our design is very informed. It's very well researched, very well proven uh, with the wellness and the health aspects um, in addition to sustainability. And we think that's key as hospitality uh, starts to recover. People are going to, they want to feel safe. They want to feel that they can trust the interiors and the surfaces and the Absolutely. air that's in the spaces. And, 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 and I want to travel so bad. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels that way. Me too. I cannot wait to go stay in a hotel again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's the truth. Yeah. So, so when you said that, you know, the, the, the hospitality projects are complex, what is it about those projects that make them so complex? Is, is it the size, the magnitude of them? Or, or is it, or is it, or, 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 or what is it? Yeah, it's a few different things. So one, the project teams are um, usually pretty large and the owner or owner group decision makers um, can be 
very plentiful, <laughs> especially if you have a group of owners, you know how it goes, if you have a group totally. of business owners. Yeah. And then if it's a branded hotel, then you have the brand. And that's a really key piece because the brand typically has brand standards. And depending on how prototypical the project is or how custom, there's a lot of stuff that happens between the owner and the brand that the design team isn't necessarily privy to unless we have a really sophisticated owner. Um, if it's a new owner, then it's a huge learning curve. And then we have all of the consultants. And then sometimes there's a different architect and or interior design firm for the public spaces versus the guest rooms. So oh, hospitality projects, yeah, are broken down into those two modules. And then if it's a modular project, which we love modular and we're very experienced in modular, then you have a different contractor fabricator for the guest rooms, which is the modular piece, the full mm -hmm. volumetric. Then you have a site GC for the public areas. And then you have all these engineers and consultants and then you have the FF and e purchasing. You might have a lighting consultant. You might have an acoustical consultant. Obviously, you have a landscape. There's all those different components. And unless someone's quarterbacking the whole project, um, it's it could be um, very interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we've all been a part of projects like that where there's all these big moving parts and nobody's really, like I said, quarterbacking the thing and it just becomes a disaster for everybody. And then you throw lead in there or well building sure. certification and then you have a whole nother consultant who has a different set of motivations and then that's like hurting cats. Totally, totally crazy. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> yeah, so that's, so that's been, that's super bizarre. I totally had no idea that there were that many different, different players on, you know, even, even just on the design and construction team. That's crazy. I had no idea. Yeah, and then the brands, they don't make it easy. You know, they have a certain, okay, if it's a Hilton Garden Inn, well, then they might have two or three packages that can be designed. And invariably, the owner doesn't like one or the other. They want a combination of the packages because they like this out of that one and this color out of that and the chair out of this one. And yeah. so then we get to go to the brand and request waivers and make our case for why it still meets their design intent. And so, yeah, it's quite, quite dynamic. Huh, that's amazing. I had no idea. That's even if, it, even if it's a fully custom job, it still has to be approved by the brand and the owner. So it's a, you have two clients, so to speak. Sure. You're meeting their needs. <laughs> Selling everything twice. Yeah. And the brand already has an established uh, design guide in their head that they're trying to promote as brand. So um, it can be contentious sometimes. So yeah. Just, oh, sure. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, we deal with that. You know, we do a lot of hospitality and hotel stuff and, you know, yeah. as you know, a lot of times, you know, the, the landscape is sort of the first thing to get cut out on projects. And so I'm very familiar with, you know, kind of how contentious stuff can be. And yeah, yeah that's, that's crazy. So, well, plus, which, plus, uh, you know, everyone is a designer. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, even the contractors like to chime in on the design sometimes. And we're, we kind of scratch our heads like, huh, okay. So, yeah. That, yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that, that's, that's the one that always baffles me too, is, is, I mean, a, a big, just like you, a big part of what we do is, is, you know, construction administration and, you know, punch listing stuff at the end. And, and it's amazing how many projects we go to that we did, you know, hundred percent CDs. And it's like the, the landscapers didn't even see the plans. It, it's amazing. Like yeah. they, they literally never even printed them. It's, it's so crazy sometimes. Yeah. I did want to jump back to, uh, you guys mentioned modular yeah, yeah, and uh, that I think that you know, that sort of encapsulates, and that's what's really exciting happening today is that uh, you know, this whole notion of dealing with all scales in one package. Um, literally, that that module is a gift box, and you know we we like to have it it's delivered fully furnished. Um, we're hoping to get all you know virtually everything in there: towels, <laughs> toilet paper, what have you. 
all, all to the site already installed so that it is literally a gift box. They, they do take the tape off the door and it's ready to be, you know, let yeah. out. So it's, pre it's pretty interesting. But what's even more exciting is that, you know, with also in regards to product design, that, that we're hoping that we can start getting more um, of the furniture components more better integrated into the actual unit. And also how that unit relates to the landscape again. You know, there's been a lot of modules that have balconies and such. And of course, a lot depends upon the architecture. So the industry, which, you know, has evolved here in Boise, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're one of the hubs in the West uh, for modular construction that uh, it's now at a point where it's like, okay, what can we start really doing with these things to make them more creative and to move to in the hospitality world, that more luxury market, as well as resorts and that type of thing yeah. that um, is not just an economy solution. That kind of right, because if you're trying to source quartz countertops from China and case goods from Thailand and mattresses from, you know, the East Coast and, you know, flooring from the West Coast, I mean, there's just the supply chain as, as we knew it now has is, is been heavily impacted. Plus, mm -hmm. there's a much smarter, more efficient way to, to source. And then, as David mentioned, you know, we're really passionate about providing as much of a turnkey package as possible. And in modular, we've got a ton of opportunity uh, to do That's that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I'm so focused on, you know, the outside of stuff that I, you know, when I hear modular, I know what it is. It didn't really occur to me that those things, they will ship to the site. Like you said, with the towels, with, with the stuff that hangs on the wall, with everything in it. That's so amazing. Yep. The only thing that's not up usually is they uh, will strap the TV to the bed just for yeah. protection. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody has to mount that. Sure. Sure. The, the one thing that has to be done on site. That's yeah. so crazy. So I, I, I mean, I'm obviously, like I said, I'm obviously familiar with, with modular construction. Is there like, for what you guys are doing, is there, is there a big price difference or, you know, what's the real advantage or disadvantage for you? You know, not, not to the client, but to you as your firm to doing it that way versus doing it traditionally. Yeah. So, you know, the value to us is we're always looking to be, you know, those innovators, the leading edge, what's the next best, what's the best solution. We're all about yeah. that. And we're big believers in the modular solution um, after having worked on this project here locally with Gordon and the, the genius of modular is the planning and going all in at the beginning with the integrated design process. And again, since we have so much lead experience, we're very familiar with that process. So it's very comfortable for us and we enjoy that and we enjoy solving the puzzle, solving you know the challenges ahead of us. And a lot of design firms are more used to coming in, especially interiors firms, maybe midway through toward the end and then when we get the bad rap of changing the project and making it more expensive. So we love modular because it, it causes us to be involved from the very beginning. And awesome. it just makes the project go much, much more smoothly. Huh. And, I, and I mean, I would think so. I can imagine you guys, like you said, you know, out at Gurdon, you can go out there and, and, and not have to travel to Phoenix or to Texas or wherever, wherever this hotel is being built. And, and look in the rooms and make sure everything's there and make sure everything is what it should be, right? Yep. That's so, that's so crazy. Yep. And yeah, full mock-ups are always provided and, and uh, it's, it's pretty exciting to do the walkthroughs. You know, yeah, that's, that's super cool. So, are, uh, not, so not all hotels are being built that way yet, are they? No, the modular um, construction method 
in the whole construction industry right now is only a three to four percent of the overall construction industry but it's it's gaining momentum um there was just an article yesterday that tesla is building one of its factory factories with the prefab you know off-site solution um because they want it to get built faster so you know, going back to the pricing question about then modular for the developer the owner it's all about the speed to market Sure. And if you can, you know, get the same project open four or five, six months sooner, that's a lot more money in your pocket. And they, you know, they're in the Midwest. There were a couple of hotels built side by side, um, and the traditional one was, you know, took six months longer than the modular solution. And so, just getting open and getting in and um, starting to gain that revenue is huge. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. With, with any development project, yeah, the sooner the owner can yeah, get hotel rooms full or start selling tacos or whatever they're doing in their building. Like, yeah, that's, that's money ahead for sure. Yeah. And then when you think of the quality, right, when you're in a, in a hotel room, you want to get some good sleep, hopefully. And so when you have the double wall and the double floor um, method that modular provides, it's, it's like a no brainer. Oh, that's super interesting. I'm so surprised that it's only three to four. So, so we say three to 4% of the total construction industry. What, what percentage do you think it is of hospitality? So Marriott has five of their soft brands, five of their flags that they've actually developed prototypes for modular for those. And mm -hmm. we've worked on two or three of them, nice, um, nice. but it's still very low. So they've incentivized developers um, pretty good amount of money if they go modular. Nice. So they really believe in this as well. Um, the other brands haven't yet rolled out an incentive program. So it's still, I'm sure, less than 10% in the hospitality industry. That's so surprising. I mean, do you see that just skyrocketing any any day? Not any day. Um, I'd like to see it sooner rather than later. Now, you know, Europeans, as usual, are ahead of us uh, in the design and construction world. Right. And the modular industry here in the U.S., you know, started, the genesis was, you know, mobile homes and really that solution. And that's kind of a stigma, I believe, that's hurt our industry, the modular world here in the U.S., whereas in Europe, Poland especially, the genesis was furniture, furniture manufacturing, and then that integrated solution. So if you look at images side by side um, and websites of manufacturers domestically and then in Europe, you'll see quite a wide a wide um, disparity. And so we're out to change that. We are out to inform and educate and showcase how modular can not only be a great effective, cost-effective solution, but it can be beautiful. Sure. And like our studio here in Boise, when we built it out, our tagline was green and gorgeous. It's a lead commercial interiors gold building. Um, because at that time in 2006, everything looked recycled. You know, everyone thought, well, if it's lead and green, it's gotta look recycled. Mm -hmm. And so we were out to, to disprove that. And I think we did that really well. So now we're kind of in a similar place, I feel, with modular. That's awesome. Yeah, I, that's, that's so funny that people have that stigma. Like, as soon as you say that, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course people have that. I didn't have that. But I, probably because I'm in, in, you know, I'm in the industry or whatever, and I understand, you know, the difference. But that's, yeah, that's, that's super interesting. Well, so what is, so for the owner, obviously, obviously there's the price difference. It, it, does it cost a little bit more or a lot more to build modular up front? Um, it depends on the market, right? So the labor costs in whatever market it's going to be, you know, set in is the driver. So modular doesn't make sense, you know, in a lot of places um, where it's not high density. Okay. But in the, we're doing all of our modular projects so far have been in California. So 
you know, to build a modular hotel in Boise. We just had this conversation, I think last week, David, with a, a developer and architect, mm -hmm. and they were looking at Boise, but not sure it was gonna pencil. So that might be more expensive because of the labor, the labor market. Interesting. Is, so is it more labor intensive to build modular then? Um, I wouldn't say it's more labor intensive. It's just a totally different model. And then when you're building offsite, you know, the workers are in a semi-protected environment. They're not hanging off buildings. They don't have weather conditions. And so that the quality of laborers that they get is, you know, highest quality in the workforce out there. And it's, you know, it's very controlled. It's very planned. I mean, the scheduling part of it. Yeah. How often have you and I seen construction schedules get thrown, right? Because, because of the... the every time never, I get a schedule, it's, out, it's outdated before I even <laughs> open the email with the schedule. Yeah. Right. So with mod, the modular solution, they're in a factory setting and they've got everything there. There's no surprises. There's no weather. And it's mm. just, it's, it's incredible. That's so crazy. Huh. And, and for landscape, Christian, I think that the important thing is to think about what are the potential, what's the potential for, for creating interesting spaces, yeah. uh, you know, on the outside, the exterior, in terms of how these things are put together. And there's been quite a few, you know, great examples out there already, but they've been one-offs and, you know, pretty much, uh, uh, I'll say towards the higher price end sure. <laughs> construction mm -hmm. uh, as they were experiments. Uh, but the, the key here is, you know, how can these things really be to utilize that connection again to outdoors in a better way, which is really, I think, next steps again. And certainly in, you know, housing and affordable housing in particular, that's where this thing is really is a boom. You see all kinds of people jumping on that bandwagon. Yes. Um, and it's so, so needed. Um, but again, rather than lining up boxes in a row, is there any way we can facilitate, because they're typically smaller, Facilitate, facilitate, you know, the exterior space mm -hmm. uh, as outdoor usable space uh, from the interior. Sure, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So speaking of outdoor spaces, I, I, I got an email from you, Susie, the other day with some really cool geodesic domes you guys have now. Yeah. Uh, talk, talk, talk about those, man. I, I, so I'm super excited to. I, I'm gonna, I want my, I'm gonna get one of those on, on, a, on one of our projects. My, my goal cool. is, I'm gonna, I want to have one of those on a project in like a month because those are super cool. Aren't they? I mean, you just yeah. look at them and they make you happy. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So I actually had dinner in one up in Coeur d'Alene with, with my daughters earlier this year. And, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm always looking for what's new, what's exciting, what's, you know, what are the opportunities out there? And we were sitting in there and it was like this restaurant, which wouldn't have normally had patio dining in February in Coeur d'Alene. We were sitting out on the patio, had this cool dome around us with lighting and a heater and all that sort of thing. And at the time it was like, gosh, this is really cool. Didn't really think much of it, but then I went to a conference in LA, a hotel conference, was talking to a developer from New York. I asked him if he'd ever, oh yeah, those are all the rage in New York, our rooftop bars and blah, blah, blah. And then when COVID hit and our company was looking for, you know, ways to, you know, yes, I'll use the word pivot um, and new opportunities, revenue streams, new experiences. I was really started looking for a manufacturer that would fit our design aesthetic um, that we thought there were markets and opportunity for. And because we do a lot of modular, it seemed like a really kind of reasonable modular solution, if you will, because they're both indoor and outdoor, um, but also in response to COVID. 
So the research I did showed that people would pay a lot of money to sit in a dome for an evening and rent it out, so to speak, because they still wanted to feel connected. They still want to feel connected to what's going on around them. And people are getting tired of sitting at home. And so, you know, the pandemic's not going away anytime yep. soon. Um, I mean, I even took it as far, and David knows this, we're both major college football fans. And I'm like, what about tailgating? We could have really cool tailgating domes in the parking lots, and we could brand them for the, for the, you know, the schools. Can't you just see University of Washington and Cal having dueling domes and all this stuff? So we just kind of had a lot of those great conversations. Um, and then we found a great manufacturing partner. We were out to maybe design them ourselves, and that didn't go very far. So yeah, now we're offering them through our procurement division. And, um, you know, they start at five meters, which is about 16 feet, right? Yeah. Um, and they go all the way up to eight meters and they can be customizable and they last 10 to 25 years. So our domes are, you know, more in that permanent, semi-permanent category. Yeah. You can do full immersion experiences with, you know, video and lighting and, you know, you name it. Um, yeah. We're really excited about it. We'll see where, where it heads. And, um, but yeah, just like your initial reaction is exactly what mine was. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that and I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's super cool. And then, you know, my mind starts spinning of, you know, where, where these can go. So I start thinking, you know, immediately thinking of places like, you know, golf courses that have restaurants and other places that it, that, you know, that whole golf course isn't used in the wintertime. Like if they had a bunch of those, you know, whatever golf course, you know, country club, whatever, had a bunch of those outside, excuse me, where they could, you know, you know, like I said, see people have meals and stuff in there, like sit on the, yeah. you know, 10th, on the, on the 10th green in January. And, you know, that's a great idea. Like ski huts. Yeah. Totally, exactly. That, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly what I thought like of. Yeah. They're, they're like yours. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, again, I think this is something, you know, they've been around for a long time. And I think the, uh, uh, you know, from, from the 60s on that, that it was kind of a radical look for most people. But again, with the technology world, that whole vocabulary has been embraced. You know, the hexagon, oh, building on the module. Absolutely. And so now it's just, that's just, it's a natural you know, shape almost. So, yeah. so I think that it may get some traction. We'll see how I know I'm, I'm super excited to see see what you guys do with that I think it's really cool yeah and like also, I said I'm, wine tasting also wine tasting right so totally the, totally you know, if they don't have if the facility doesn't have enough room as you said winter time indoors you know business mm -hmm. owners are looking at their capacity and how do they provide extra space and seating um, and it's a, it's a much less expensive version than even like a shipping container a different aesthetic that sort of thing we love shipping containers too but yeah, so we're really and, I, and I would think too because it's semi-permanent, permitting is probably a whole lot easier than than you know than building something permanent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely interesting. That's super cool. Where so have have you moved any of these yet? No, we just launched it yesterday. It was okay. It was, I, yeah, okay. It was yeah. Cool. So <laughs> we I, just okay, launched perfect. it. It's brand new. That's awesome. Where where are they manufactured at? They are manufactured. Parts of them are in Thailand and parts are in okay. California. And cool. then they ship, they ship from uh, California and then we send installers with them to do the install. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So who, that's a, that's a good question. Do you have people in house that install or do you use, you know, sub that out to a construction company or somebody? Yeah. So it's part of our Cornerstone Collective. So in January of this year, we um, introduced our Cornerstone Collective. So again, after having been in this industry for, you know, almost three decades and working with amazing people like yourself and your company included, really wanting to bring to the table a whole solution, a whole team of people. Um, and so we have installers, we have warehouses, we have a whole network globally 
of people that we vetted that we know and the, the world is a much more collaborative place now right than it has Absolutely. been ever and we're all about that we're all about collaborating playing to each other's strengths um, everyone wins is our core our main core value and so we love that we love bringing people to the table and figuring out the best solution um, so no we don't keep them on staff you know on our payroll but yeah. they're definitely part of our collective umbrella awesome that's that's super cool I can, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. Wine tasting breweries, like anywhere mm -hmm. like that, that wants, you know, that needs more space in the wintertime when people want to go drink anyway. That, that makes so much right. sense. Yeah. Uh, and there's a different price point. Like Amazon sells one that's more of a tent style, which, you know, meets a, a certain price point. And then we're a next step above that. And sure. Then, you know, there's, I'm sure a full uh, luxury model out there. That's all glass. <laughs> that's yeah. the next step above ours. And, that, and uh, yeah, I mean the, you know, the Amazon one, that, that's probably going to be just like a, you know, a glorified like pop-up tent, you would take camping exactly. or whatever for the most part, I would think. So yeah, it seems to me that your solution, gosh, gosh, yeah, in parking lots. I mean, I, I, we have some clients where I, I can totally see getting this on their space like this fall for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's awesome. Well, even, hmm. even like, yeah, places like, you know, they're closing down streets to become a pedestrian street for COVID issues. I could see Absolutely. restaurants being able to utilize this type of thing right in the Absolutely. street. Yeah. I can imagine how gorgeous that'll be when it snows. I mean, really. Be, that would be so, sitting yeah. in a snow. I mean, sitting in a hot tub in a snow. Sitting in a snow globe, right? Yeah. yeah, but sitting sitting there like with your family, you know, your your quarantine mates or whoever right? be around and sitting there like, yeah, on 8th Street, you know, eating and, you know, drinking wine in a snowstorm. That would be the coolest thing ever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you guys, man. That's that's a good move. I like it. Good. Thank you. Good on you. Thank yeah. you. All right on. So, so what else? So, um, do you, are you still doing much residential design? Because I know, I know for a long time you did, you did a lot of residential design. Yeah, so we did a lot of luxury, resi eh, luxury residential for about 12, 15 years. And so with our recent focus on hospitality, um, we've kind of moved away from that. And you know how it is, it's, it's hard to shift between a lot of different project types all day, every day. Absolutely. So if there's, if there's a great residential project that comes through that makes a lot of sense for us, you know, we'll still uh, take a look at it. But for the most part, we're um, hospitality, multifamily, and then we'll always be commercial. Like we were yeah. fortunate to design the, you know, new item fishing game that's going oh, up cool. right next to our office. So yeah, yeah we got nice. to design that with Lancy Rockwell Architects. We love working with them. And, you know, that was a different vernacular. David can tell you about some of the uh, <laughs> it's, you know, interesting elements that are going to be in that project. Yeah, tell so, me about that. Yeah, I'd we love, love to hear we, about that. Yeah. We do love some variety, but um, yeah, for the most part, we're hospitality, multifamily, and uh, some commercial. Cool. Yeah, David, tell, tell me about that, man. I'd love to hear about some of the cool stuff that's, that's going to be in that building. Well, I, I mean, it's very appropriate as well, because obviously we all go there to get our fishing and hunting license, so they have, they have a, a, a warehouses full of... Uh, <laughs> stuffed animals, taxidermy, uh, sure. <laughs> which need to be showcased in a variety of ways. Um, so we've created some feature walls, that type of thing, where, where nice. uh, you're hoping to elevate it to a design element rather than, you know, uh, Just stuff on walls. People. Exactly, exactly. And obviously, um, the architect, we're bringing a lot of the exterior uh, finishes in indoors. So there'll be some, you know, uh, rock features and that type of thing. Very cool. Uh, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a nice space for a place to get your fishing license. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So it, it's under construction now, right? Yeah. It's uh, the old uh, old building was demoed about a month ago, I believe. Okay. So okay. It's a raw raw site right now, but it's it's rolling. 
Nice. I'll have to go down there and uh, snap a few photos of that for the constructivist. Yeah. I didn't realize. I, I, now, that, now that you say that, I remember hearing about that, but I, I mean, there's so many projects and so much going on. I can't obviously keep yeah. track of everything yeah. that's going on, but yeah, I'm, no, I'm excited for that. That's cool. Yep. It'd be good. Nice. Do you, so do you have, so David, being in, in the Sun Valley area, do you have projects that you work on up there or are you pretty much working on stuff out, out of town? Oh, uh, actually all out of town, essentially all up, mostly out of state. So yeah. that's, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Our, our focus has been pushed us uh, far field. Um, the hospitality market here is, well, particularly right now, <laughs> not good. Uh, and it's very limited. I mean, obviously there's a few, you know, few large hotels. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, as new developments come up, we always, you know, get in there, but it's just, it's a very tight world and we're, we're working at it. So. Yeah. Yeah. What right now for hospitality, what is the hottest market for hospitality right now? In terms of geographic? Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. So we're re- really focused in the West, kind of Western half of the U S and then we'll be pushing to go nationwide here. That was our push when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, California still got a lot going on. Do they? Yeah. Yeah, they really do. Um, Washington, I not as much. Um, so yeah, I'd have to say California. We're doing purchasing for a boutique hotel in Oregon. Um, so I think Oregon's got some things going, but it tends to be the the owners and developers that are well capitalized, right? That are sure. moving forward. Right. Yeah, yeah, we had yeah. I mean, we had we we had a few big cool projects that just got got pushed back indefinitely. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like everybody, I'm sure. So. Yeah. Yeah, but it, but yeah, some of the stuff that I've that I've read, it does sound like LA. E- even though as, as hard hit as they've been, that there's still a ton of stuff. I mean, it's LA. There'll there'll always be stuff happening there. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. And then another piece under speaking of financing under our Cornerstone Collective umbrella. So we do have um, access to some really good financiers, and we're able to connect people. So when we hear of a, you know, somebody who has a great project or great work, or they got stalled, we're able to make some introductions because we're all about hmm. everyone everyone winning. Yeah, that's really cool. So when we're done with this. I, I have a project I want to talk to you about. It was, we, we have a friend who's doing some stuff that, that might, might need some, some help and having, making some connections might be, might be really, really helpful and, and then good for all of us too. So. Exactly. Yeah. But, we love connections. Perfect. Yes, perfect. Do. So we're kind of getting close out of time here. So what, uh, if, you know, if anybody, you know, out there that's listening, watching is looking to, to connect with you guys, like what, what's the best way, where, where's the best way for people to find you? Yeah, probably website is best, uh, www.cornerstoneinteriordesign.com. You can also find us on social media, Cornerstone Interior Design. Um, yeah, we welcome any and all connections. It's, uh, you know, it's a great place to be alive, even in the midst of a global pandemic. And we really do take a positive outlook and look at what's possible out there. Awesome. Okay, Susie and David, I appreciate you guys coming on the show. And uh, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll talk soon and have you back on here uh, in, in 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 short order. Great, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Okay, thanks, you guys. Yeah. Thank you. There we go. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Christian Radio. If you liked it, please make sure to subscribe, share it on social media, and if you have questions or want to hear about anything specific that I might be able to talk about on the show. Hit me up on Twitter at Christian Heiner, K-R-I-S-J-A-N-H-I-N-E-R. And you can find this and more content at ChristianHeiner.com. Thanks.